This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hallo und willkommen in der Fernsehen. Ich bin along We're in the fun zone, boys. We're at games. How dare you describe my bedroom as the fun zone? <laughs> yeah, we are recording this in a Cologne bedroom. We're not on a roof this year. I'm not going to drop my chocolate. Don't worry. Uh, mainly because I've already eaten it all. Dropping your chocolates like a really, really dirty thing. And I definitely don't want you doing it in this room. Thank you very much. Uh, that's the voice of Alex Simmons, who's kindly hosted this podcast in his bedroom. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're, you're very welcome. Welcome to the, the Thank you. Fun Palace or whatever yeah. you call it. It's just the fun zone. Is it? Are, you, are you enjoying the fun zone? Uh, so far, yeah. There's a lovely green uh, window sofa. Is that what we call this? It's, uh, it's like a love seat. It's, 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 <laughs> I'm leaving. It's not the fun zone I wanted. It's almost like a built-in. Imagine, a, listen, just close your eyes and imagine like a windowsill with like almost like a. I don't know why I'm closing my eyes. I'm looking at um, like a built-in chaise lounge. You have to be very short <laughs> yeah. for this to be a it's, chaise lounge. Well, you know, you can always find a way to make anything a chaise lounge. Um, we are, I don't even know what that means. No, neither do I. We're a couple of days into Gamescom. If you can't, if you can't tell already. Some of us are very tired, um, but we've also been seeing lots of exciting games and playing some of them too. It's not the biggest year for, you know, new reveals, but there's lots of, you know, exciting games coming out soon that we just haven't had a good look at yet, and we've been getting that this week, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, like, but you two have obviously seen that you saw a lot of games in the run-up to Gamescom, which mm. have been held back to now. And Yes, people you know, on the curtain. O&L had some alright stuff. Oh, I thought O&L was bad. Well, I was really bored all the way through. <laughs> yeah. Well, I put it this way, I'm pleased I wasn't in the room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, God, yeah. It would have been difficult to maintain the hype. That I wasn't think. a fun zone. Not like this. Not like this. No, no, no. <laughs> this is a big fun zone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, should we just kick it off? With what Wait, we're saying? You're the man with the I running mean, I'm order. Gonna, I'm going to start out with something I saw. Go on then. Maybe because it's the biggest thing, right? Starfield. We're only, what, a week away now from, mm-hmm. if you pay extra from playing yes. Starfield? Um, yeah, I've seen the first, it looked like it was pretty much the first mission of the game. Like, they, it spanned, like, I watched about 15 to 20 minutes, but it was, like, faded in between and sped up. It looked like mm-hmm. it was quite a bit longer, right. like, of the game. But I saw the very opening of the game, set in 2030, 2330, which I think we might have already known when this mm-hmm. game was set, but it's nice to know. May 7th. 
Probably lovely uh, just temperatures. Off, just after my brother's birthday. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I don't think he'll be alive then. Um, <laughs> did, has he ever visited the Argos extractors mining post on the moon of Vectera? <laughs> He's probably been to a Argos, but probably not. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> What's the last time you went to an Argos? I don't know, but it didn't select any special ores you, from the catalogue. Were you a weirdo kid like me who just enjoyed like getting the catalogue at home and just flicking through all the different toys? No, you never oh no, like my, uh, I used to sometimes get sent to my great aunties to sort of stay for a day while my parents did fun stuff. And all she used oh, to do give... the fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right here. Drop in, drop up. Um, but I used to get given the Argos catalogue and told to cut out the toys I liked and stick Aww. them on a piece of paper. Oh, what a terrible childhood! I oh, know because I still do that with Ed, but rather than cutting them out, like a Smith's catalogue mm. is the like the ultimate version. But I know we're not talking about <laughs> Starfield, <laughs> but circling it, and so like that normally sort of goes out in September. Does he not just send you Christmas. links to what he wants? Not yet. He will website. do, but he does literally circle everything in the entire catalogue. And I'm like, you're kind mm. of missing the point here. Yeah. In the catalogue of anyway. Starfield, do you get everything in the first fifteen minutes? You can get a ta- it looks like you get a taste a bit of everything. This game, not I mean not everything this game so far offer because it offers a lot by the sounds of it. But yeah, you start off in a very I don't know, is it a very Bethesda way? Like it starts off boldly, I'd say, by making you instantly think of No Man's Sky, which okay. will be a good thing and a bad thing for some in, people. In what way? Well, you start off basically mining ore with a big red laser beam, which is what you do a lot at the start of No Man's Sky if you play it yeah. in the career mode way. Suppose, so, so you're a miner at the start, is like... It looks like it's almost like your first day job. I don't feel like just a jobber, if you know what I mean, around... It, like, it kind know. of makes sense in the fact that, like, obviously a lot of Bethesda games, you sort of start in jail to a certain degree, like Oblivion, yes. you started in jail and you're Skyrim... You at the bottom, now you're here. Yeah, the end, you know yeah. What I mean? mm-hmm. And, like, basically, yeah, you're... You're talked to by these couple of characters, and it, you can already tell like the Bethesda writing is always strong. Like they're good with character mm-hmm. work, and like they do a great job like early on of not only introducing you to this universe and like throwing like lots of like lingo and slang that like you quickly kind of work out. Like you're referred to as a dusty, which is probably I'm guessing like the word nickname for miners or someone who's new on the job or yeah, something like mm-hmm. that. And you're kind of right. learning all that as you go, but also it's quite funny. They're kind of like playing around with you, and then. You have to, you know, it's, you're learning the basic mechanics like walking and how to fire by doing a little bit of mining. But then you're told, can you just go down this long, dark tunnel and touch this weird artifact? What? <laughs> yeah. <I'm> nowhere. <laughs> They're like very mysterious. They're like, okay, the real reason we're not down this mine, you know, we're looking for something much more valuable than just some beryllium. I mean, it yeah. sounds like they've, like, why would you just choose your average miner to do I think this? It sounds like... I think they're wary of it. They're dangerous. Right. Like, you don't want to, yeah, exactly. you know, you don't want to, exactly. So what happens is, it's kind of a bit like the start of Mass Effect 1 in some ways. So you go down into this tunnel and, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if you think this is spoilers for the Starfield, but it's literally the first 10 minutes of this game. There's probably dozens of hours long. But um, you touch this sort of artifact, which is, the way I describe it, it's kind of like a piece of me- metallic, kind of shiny blue, like, metal. It doesn't look particularly like, like wow, this is worth a lot. And you touch it. And then you have these weird, almost like 2001 like visions. You see some weird shapes, some colours, some stars. Do we get like the weird... space baby? There's no space baby mm. as I've seen yet. But um, yeah, that happens. And then you black out and you're in like a medical facility. And then that's when the character creation starts. They basically hold up a tablet and they're like, "Who? Are, like, do you remember who you are, basically? Right. Okay. Um, and that's when I had a brief character creation. I think 
people have seen that before. Yeah, like, I remember the tablet being in the direct. There's backgrounds and traits, and it looks like whatever one of those... You, like It's going to be a reactive world, I think, because whatever one of the dozen or two dozen backgrounds you pick for your character, the character, as soon as you exit the character creation, they have, they remark on your path. They're like, can't remember what one it was they picked. They're like, oh, sounds like you had a you know a adventure getting here or something like that, right. based on whatever background mm-hmm. you picked. And then there's when they kind of walk out. Again, I don't know how much... This has all happened in about five minutes. It's probably a bit longer in the actual game this happens, but... You, walk, you do a long walk through a tunnel and you're basically told there's this man coming who wants to buy this artifact of us, which is the whole idea. Mm-hmm. They're mining, they're going to sell it to someone who's from Constellation, which is this group of like universe explorers who almost kind of like have this sort of like folklore sort of energy in this world. Mm-hmm. Like they remark, one of them remarks like, oh, half the people in this facility don't even believe these guys exist. But, so this guy appears. But before that, you kind of have what Bethesda call their step out moments, you know, oh, like yeah, yeah, in yeah. Fallout where you go out the vault mm-hmm. or in Skyrim and the big dragon comes over top. Yeah, it's like when you come out the jail in Oblivion and like the your eyes mm-hmm. adjust to the, yeah. the environment. This one isn't as because there's almost kind of like they almost have two or three of these moments, but none of them hit quite as hard as like a vault opening. So the first one is this big circular door on this facility opens and you realise, wow, I'm on this really nice looking like moon and yes. the sky looks awesome and the environments look like the best. You should expect a step up to what Bethesda has done before. Yeah. The character models still still have that. Do you know what I mean when I say that Bethesda? The Bethesda sort of, absolutely, like, yes. Stiffness yeah. Or yeah, 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 they're yeah, dead yeah. behind the eyes, aren't yeah, they? The eyes are a little. It's a shame. Better. It's a shame because their character writing is so good. It's a shame that they've never quite been able to match the writing with the the reaction on the face yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, basically after that, this character called Barrett arrives from Constellation, and lo and behold, he's been trapped by space pirates. And they land, and the Crimson Fleet are here, and you have a little, looks like a little shootout. Interestingly, it did say in the top left corner that that objective to pick up a weapon is optional, so I don't know if you can either, if you can just let the combat happen and you don't, if you can just be purely pacifist in this game. Well, I bet you can also join the Space Pirates at one point, can't you? So maybe that's that's your first team. Or maybe you just punch them, you don't pick up a weapon. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that little skirmish happens, and you're told, basically Barrett goes, you're involved in this now, you can handle yourself you go to Constellation and deliver this artifact yourself. Right. And Constellation is on this, uh, in this city of New Atlantis, which people might have seen before. It's a massive city, like no other I've seen. Like, it's, it would be a good chunk of the size of a Fallout map, this mm-hmm. city, it looks like, like quite big, like varied environments. There's there's coffee shops, there's gardens, there's massive skyscrapers. On the same planet. Yeah, on the, stars, it's just right. in the same city on this planet. Like, right. it, I don't even know if you can go to other place on this planet, but... This city alone was huge. By the oh, way, so. it might, might potentially be one of those where, like, the planet is that city, yeah. right? Like, that's the location on the planet you're allowed to explore. Yeah, I didn't see that, so I do not know. But actually, I skipped a bit before that, which is it introduced you to space combat. So, like I said, it gives you a taste of everything Starfield has to offer. And the space combat does look fun. It's hard to gauge the gunplay when you're not playing it. Yeah. It looks good when they were doing it, but until you have it in your hands, you never really know. But space combat, I'm always a sucker for space combat. Like, in Star Wars games, they're my favourite. And bits. by space combat, you mean, like, dogfighting? Like, yeah, dogfighting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, a yeah. couple of ships turn up, you take them down, it looks like you have, like, different missiles and, like, mm-hmm. ballistic weapons as well. And presumably that's just on the first ship you get, I guess, exactly. as you, you change your ship over time. Yeah, I don't know what, where will. you get that ship from. Mm-hmm. I don't know if... Oh, they just get on it. It looks like it's Barrett's ship. But, yeah, I don't know if he... I don't know if he just says, this is yours, mm-hmm. cheers. Right. But then, like, yeah, you... 
this again it skips through this whole section very quickly and then you there's a little montage of new atlantis and then you go into the constellation building which looks really nice lovely dark wood furniture all around oh, the place nice. that's lovely and you're basically saying they go we've got a lot of work to do and then the demo ended did you voice <laughs> it yeah I did, I did it was me it wasn't it wasn't Todd Howard it was that's actually, all I wanted to know oh yeah Todd Howard told me all this by the way that was oh. cool yeah first time I ever I was two feet away from Todd Howard he looked me in the eyes as he spoke about Starfield which made me feel special oh um, I'll say Cody it sounds like an odd part of the game for mm. them to show I would have showed if I were Todd Howard which I'm not <laughs> I have not made many award winning yeah. RPGs and released Skyrim 50 mm-hmm. times but I think I would have liked to have seen something that was a bit like hey here's uh, you know what they did with Cyberpunk when yeah. it was a hands off where it was like we'll play it through one way and then we'll rewind mm-hmm. the mission yeah, and yeah, show yeah. you how it could have done if you'd done like a stealth yeah. build or if you'd said different things I don't know like maybe I don't know how far into this game things change maybe they're spoiler yeah. I have no idea maybe I will say like that obviously that first mission well I don't know if that is the whole of the first mission like does give you a taste of it maybe that's why they picked it like introduced to the world some combat, some space combat, mm-hmm. character creation, different just, environments. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the main thing is I saw um, GQ have released like a, a profile mm-hmm. and with with Todd Howard yes. and stuff. And like one of the things that the, that GQ article had said is that it, well, the headline at least was or, or the tweet was something like the idea of it's their most RPG game that they've made since Oblivion. And obviously, that's several games ago now. Well, at least three. Um, and I would have liked to have known how RPG it is, but it mm. sounds like what they've done is they've showed you 10 minutes of tried walking through a mine and shooting some stuff. Yeah, I didn't, it's hard to grasp how much RPG-ness mm-hmm. there was to, to that stuff. Because that's where I've got my fingers crossed. You know, that's, that's, yeah. that's part of the stuff I live and breathe. Exactly. So. That's, I could get away with you know less than top-class gunplay and mm-hmm. combat yeah. if it fulfills that kind of like space RPG. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, it looked... It, it looked like Starfield. I mean, you know, I didn't feel like I learned a lot necessarily, but it was cool to see how that game sure. starts. And I'm sure they skipped some cool bits as well that maybe mm-hmm. I didn't see. But yeah. It does feel bonkers that it's out in less than two weeks or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And still, no one's really played it. Yeah. 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 Which, we can only is be that hopeful. a good thing or a bad thing? I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, there's 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 a, there's a few like there are a few games that are missing at the show that like the, there's a poster for Assassin's Creed Mirage, but right. I don't know anybody that's played it. I don't think it's no. here. So I don't think it's here. No, yeah, no one's it's just the, the mobile version. Yeah, 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 yeah. Call of Duty's out in November, and I know that kind of like that means yeah. there's still more months than there is for Starfield. But there is a surprising amount of big games that like, I've ne- not heard of. No, I don't think anybody got to play like Avatar or um, Summer Games no. Fest, right? And that's not here either. No one's played Spider Man. No one's yeah. played. We'll get onto it later. No one's played. And I might have only seen that off mm-hmm. hands off as well. Like, yeah. I don't know, maybe it's just Hopefully these the, games are all good and it's that we're in a, a new exactly. weird era where people don't get to play games early. We can hope. But um, not only at this uh, Todd Howard and Phil Spencer-led presentation did I see a dumpster Starfield. Uh, out of nowhere, very surprising. Todd Howard's like, oh, well, we've all got you. We're never releasing this to the public, but do you want to see 30-second teaser of the Fallout TV show? Which, I'll be honest, I forgot was even a thing happened. Yes, yeah. Um, it was... It's always been one of those things I feel like that's bubbled away, but like this is the first time I was like, oh, they're actually making it. Yeah. Um, I think I remember they got like, they did a, a, a photograph, didn't they, of the Red Rocket uh, Mechanics mm. Bay, which was the Fallout 4 menu screen. So yeah. that was cool to see that. But basically, uh, yeah, if you don't know a lot about the Fallout TV show, it's due in 2024 next year. Uh, written by, and I think directed a couple of episodes by Jonathan Nolan, Chris Vines, cool. who 
did Westworld. So which was know, good for a season. It started, it started <laughs> well. Um, I'm hopeful for this though because from what I've, well, I've seen, I've seen about eight shots of it. <laughs> it looked it looked right in terms of like, it looked, like Amazon pumps money into yeah. exactly. its shows. Like it looked good. It looked right. I've only seen these clips once, so I can't remember. But like the Brotherhood have still looked like ominous. They looked menacing. Yeah. They looked, I couldn't read, it looked like they were like practical costumes, which is good. Like it didn't look all CGI'd. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's some nukes going off later in the trailer, which must be CGI. I would hope so. Unless, you know, like the Nolans do love their practical nuke effects. <laughs> but um, yes. yeah, maybe uh, not the Nolan sisters. I for nuking. There's a 70s reference for a lot of people. Um, but yeah. Um, I have a curiosity track of that. Yeah, there's a as we said before, there's a there's a step out moment. There's a vault opening at some point. Right. Um, there's a ghoul which I believe is played by Walton Goggins. Um, who's who's in it? Who are their kind of Walton Goggins? Oh, um, <laughs> I thought that was a character <laughs> name, not a real person. Oh. Do you know what? I haven't looked at the full cast list of this, and I probably should have. But um, there we go. Um, there's what else was there? He had a cowboy hat on. He looked a bit like. Uh, it's separate from the games the story they said so it looks a bit like John Hancock from Fallout 4 if you remember what he looks like mm-hmm. it was a girl with like a cowboy hat on yeah um, it's a cowboy hat or like a fedora I I, doesn't, doesn't he have like like it's almost like it's Hancock era isn't it it's yeah. like the oh, American Revolution he's got like a, uh, a red jacket on I think yeah. with the tassels and right oh gotcha gotcha yeah, yeah. Like we we saw the Bertie Bird like going over some like desert it looked that reminded me a bit of June a little bit which right. is all, mm-hmm. only good I think and the other details we know is that it takes place in LA and it's Fault 33 that it's focusing on. So okay. there we go. I'm not deep. I'm not someone. I like the Fallout games, but mm-hmm. I'm not someone who's like knows all like the inside I, out. I'm assu- I don't know if that's an important number. Yeah, or... I'm assuming it's not the vault that was just full of people that went gradually insane that are all called Gary. Is it Gary, yeah. The Gary, mm-hmm. the Gary vault is fantastic <laughs> from Fallout. Fallout 3, that one. A New Vegas, New I Vegas, think. Yeah. Oh, God, I, they all muddled together. But yeah. It looks good. It would be interesting because obviously, you know, with The Last of Us, we've seen, Mm. you know, that reached a much bigger audience. The first time that I've had conversations with people outside of the games Mm. industry who have watched it and, you know, like, loved it. Do you think Fallout's got that potential? I don't, I, mm, it depends what route they go with the story, right? They could go the more pulpy side of Fallout where it's like, we're taking on the brother. Yeah. You know, they could go the Halo route, which is the, the worrying route. Yeah. Or they could go the more personal, like Fallout 3 has a very, one well, thought too, have like yeah. very personal, like, but they both follow on some stories. Kind of to an degree, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if they go more like that, then I'm, I'm more hopeful. Jonathan Nolan like tends to do quite smart writing so I, I wouldn't yeah. imagine he's just going yeah let's just have a film where there's a war on yeah, the, the only thing that you've not got is obviously with, with The Last of Us they had a very proven script that they used yep. not wholesale but like significant chunks of very that, strong foundation yeah that had already been proven as a good story mm. um, whereas with Fallout it's obviously not set in any I don't yeah because Fallout 1 doesn't isn't doesn't have that setting so mm. I don't it, it's, it's its own thing right yeah so well, it's you're relying on writers that have a love for that source mm-hmm. material and can convey that and are good storytellers well, yeah, well, the medium one thing I didn't see which I hope it still has is kind of like we said that Bethesda sort of like charm and humour that they put mm-hmm. pump into their games like I didn't see a lot of the like, I didn't see anything that really properly hinted at like you know how Fallout's like what's frozen in time in the 50s yeah like I didn't see that side of it, and I don't know if that actually have little bubble heads and that sort mm-hmm. of like imagery. Like, right. but I hope it still has a lot of that kind of charm to it. And it's not just like 
we're in the post-apocalypse. Yeah, it's got to have that, though, yeah, surely. Yeah, that, that's what makes Fallout Fallout, isn't it? It's that kind of weird, overly cheeriness in the face mm-hmm. of absolute and Armageddon. And you have fun little, you know, in quotation marks, pocket episodes mm-hmm. where they do go to a, like a Gary vault. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that would be a very funny episode of, of that show, I think. But, yeah, there we go. Uh, hopefully, I think they said there's te- bigger teasers to come, so maybe sure. we'll see something else soon. But yeah. uh, should we go back to games? Why not? Let's go back. Why don't we stick with Xbox exclusives? Because they've got a massive booth at Gamescom and they're kind of mm-hmm. the biggest presence here by quite a distance, you'd say. Um, Matt, Stalker 2, you've actually got oh. to play. Yeah, I played it about an hour and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine it's quite a hard game to get a grasp of in a very short amount of time. Yeah, they've, they've made a very, very short demo for it, which I guess was very curated to make sure you could get through it in about 15 minutes because it was a half an hour demo, but obviously allowing the fact that you're going to die probably quite a lot because yep. Stalker's a bit hardcore, uh, which it did about three times <laughs> across the demo. Um, but it was... Very much uh, so. I haven't played Stalker since the original one came out. I I played that on release in 2007, I think it was. Um, But it was a bit like muscle memory. And weirdly, it felt almost like it was a remake rather than necessarily a sequel. It was so kind of like, oh, this is the the style of game that I remember. Yeah. Yeah, and like instantly kind of like the feeling of being in their, their open environments. Like, I'm assuming it's an open world, like what the original one is. I must say I haven't done a huge amount of research around this. This is very much Jesse's department. But yeah, the combat has that very realistic sort of peek around corners, aim down. The The guns feel good, but um, it's not got... You know the feedback that modern shooters have got now where you can hear every bullet striking yeah. like your target and then when you get the kill, you get the little X that comes up in the yeah. middle of the crosshair? You don't have any of that. So there's a certain amount of realism where it's like you've shot over there and you, you're pretty sure that you've hit, but you don't know until the guy either just doesn't start standing up again right. or pops his head from behind cover. You, you don't know. What, and what era, Does it have like modern weapons or is it all... I, it all feels like um, it's been so long since I played the original Stalker that I don't really remember what the lore is but I think it's almost like semi-fallout-ish in the fact that kind of like mm. after the yeah they're all things from that kind of like 70s era right um, when was the Chernobyl disaster that's in the 80s right yeah I think. Don't put me on the stock spot with world history. Well, uh, oh, you've you've watched the TV series and I haven't, so yeah, but, yeah, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, a lot of yeah. But um, it's kind of. I think there's almost a sort of sense of like frozen in time around that sort of area. Mm. So they're all kind of like old kind of AKs and stuff like that. It's, it doesn't do the the metro thing of where it's all cobbled together stuff. Um, but is it fun? Um, <laughs> I don't know, I think this uh, well, I didn't realize that Alex in the adjoining room and it sounds like the person next door just to uh, <laughs> noise, uh, you could in I don't know what is it it's like being at a live podcast isn't it yes, I keep Jesse in the dungeon next door <laughs> in the fun, is that the real fun <laughs> that's why he's trying to come out he's trying to talk about Stalker tell me where I'm going wrong um, I just have one big question about yeah, I'm sure it's very impressive like realist like realism is it fun um, yeah, I would say so. What I will say is is that I think there's a lot been made about the fact that it's like an Unreal 5 game and it's going to look next-gen. I must say, it looked about three years old to me. The Ooh. faces on the characters Ooh. looks about six years old. Ooh. And obviously... Obviously, there's still time, you know, for them to shape up. But, um, yeah, it, this is why I said in some ways it almost feels like a remake. It's got... Yeah. 
It's got a lot of that jank that the original is known for. It's very much still feels like it's in that slightly underfunded Euro jank kind of uh, vibe, despite the fact... <laughs> <Is> that genre? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's common out of Eastern Europe, I can tell you that. But, um, and that's not to say that it's, it's not good and it's not got charm. Um, there were things about it that, that I liked in that, you know, there are these kind of anomalies, which are these big kind of rippling pools of air in front of you. And you have to throw things into them to get them to erupt so you can walk past them. So, you know, there might be a hole in a fence that you want to get through because this is the way that you can rotate around an enemy camp. But you've got to blow it up, basically. And, you know, it makes a noise when it goes off. So maybe some mutant dogs will run after you and stuff like that. So did you see any freaks? Uh, not as I was really hoping that like the tentacle faced things would be in it, and I get a good view for how much of a because it's kind of a horror game as well as yes. like a, like a hardcore military shooter. And there was just some dogs that you know they were missing ears and got slightly bigger snouts, but the rest of them were normal humans. It, uh, th- there's definitely promise there, but it was it was 15 minutes. I basically walked down the road, shot a few people, and, that's it. and then it does this thing where which I'm guessing is a more frequent thing in the overall game, you get a, like a message over the radio going, um, there's a uh, like an emergence, I can't remember quite what it was called, but something's coming, you've got to get to cover. So I had to run into a building and all the sky goes like crimson red and there's giant strikes of electricity. That's where they finish the demo, but I'm guessing maybe they happen semi-frequently and you have to find cover. Right. Which I guess if all, all the other enemies are going into cover at the same time, if it's that uh, smart, yeah, that would it be might quite, be cool. That would be quite cool, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I don't know, like hardcore shit, like realism shit, like that never done a lot for me. Yeah, I must but. say, kind of like the, the original Stalker dev team kind of split, I think, around the time of the first game, and some of them went and made the Metro series, yeah. and that was always kind of more what I wanted from that series. I know Jesse's hard, you know, really into Stalker, but I like the slightly more polished, slightly more cinematic. Mm. And I think Metro Exodus, that had got open environments that gave you all the choice of how you approached uh, it. And that was more what I wanted. This, in many ways, at least from the 15 minutes I played, feels a bit of a, a, like a lighter version of that. But I'm also sure it's much heavier in the ways that matter to its yeah. its yeah. community. I'm sure it's, again, that benefits from long tutorials. Oh, God, yeah. Like, again, like, not not it's not the right game to demo in 15 yeah. minutes, to be quite honest. I wish I'd been given, like, an hour and a half. Yeah, or just shown a presentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A rare occasion where hands-on maybe it wasn't, that's way. Al. Yes. Robocop. That's not really a realist shooter, is it? No, and also, going back to the point you made of, like, jank, there's a, there's a bit of that in there, but... Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if it was intentional because it very much has the spirit of the the old sort of films and mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. TV shows and all that sort Full of stuff. Full 80s ultraviolence. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting. Yeah. In the, uh, and Emma wrote about it a couple of months ago. It's an FPS, but at about a quarter speed. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, every FPS that you normally play, you run and you yeah. duck behind mm-hmm. cover and it's yeah. about the fluidity of movement. This is the complete opposite of that. You walk a very methodical pace and you are gonna you're a bullet sponge, you just basically get shot to shit. And the one thing that Emma spoke about when she played it was that it's you're invincible. The level I played was a third of the way through the game, so it was tougher. Mm-hmm. Not literally invincible, right? Are you oh no, 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 you're not. 
But oh, when she played, it. it felt like that. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. And 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 I get what she was talking about, but at least like now they're showing that there is a difficulty mm. curve. Yeah. Or maybe she's just much better at the game than you. She does play a lot of Counter Strike. Yeah. She's she's good at shooters. I, I don't think Counter Strike would be a good <laughs> kind of entry level for this. But like you're, there are points where you're completely surrounded by mm-hmm. enemies, and there is no way that you can take them out without taking damage. Yeah. But the weird thing is, is that it, it's important that you learn to use cover, which is really hard when you're this massive metal machine. So there's points where you're just kind of like sidling to the side behind a pillar and then shooting. But it's like, you know, imagine you trying to hide behind this very thin... It's not going to happen, is it? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, no. And he can only really walk at a pedestrian speed, right? Well, he's got... He's got a couple of abilities, so he can... Okay. It's not running by any stretch, but it's <laughs> slightly fast <laughs> And then he's got a dash attack, that, which basically allows him to get up close and punch people right. in the face, mm-hmm. at which point their heads explode <laughs> in the most comical manner. I was going to ask, does it have some of that, like, yeah, proper ultra-violence to it? it yes, it's got lots of that. Like, I don't... There, there's not a lot of the humour that you see I was going to say, yeah, is there, there any of the satire that the first film is known for? Not that I've seen, okay. no. And, the, and so... In this mission, there's a bank heist that's going on, and you turn up, but the sort of SWAT teams are already there. They're owned by OCP, uh, which is the evil Megacorp. Mm-hmm. And then it, you go into this sort of battle, and they've got Ed 209s next to them. But it's all about, even though you're on the same side, you're kind of pitting yourself against them. And whoever gets the most kills is like the winner of that sort of level challenge, and you get bonus XP, etc., etc. Um but it's, it, it just feels like a very simple game. But the developer, the, sorry, the developer kept talking about these ideas that offered a lot of promise. So mm-hmm. one thing, halfway through the, the demo, you capture a journalist who is inside this um, OCP office mm-hmm. stealing data. God. I know, right? Damn it. Um, and then you've got a choice. Like, do you have the empathetic side of your sight? No, we don't. You don't kill oh, them okay. at all. <laughs> it's not Judge Dredd. No. <laughs> and it's and so you know, are you the Alex Murphy, and you empathise with them, and you let them go because you can see the bigger causes? Like, you realise that OCP is not good mm. for the world, mm-hmm. or are you the robot? And it's just like, well, you've broken the law. You're detained. Mm-hmm. Surely you're not the robot. Well, I've seen what happens on both sides for this mm. encounter. If you detain her then the OCP SWAT team take her away, but also along with the evidence, and that's it. That's the end of that. If you let her go, then she's like, this is great. This is, you know, you're benefiting the city. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how. And so they they keep talking. The developer talks about how your decisions that are made through the game are going to impact the ending. Mm-hmm. But I've seen absolutely zero evidence of that. At it's all. just going to be the end of the game. The journalist comes up and says, "Cheers." Well, and that's the difference. But, but that's it. I don't know how. You know, you've got to. It's it's a small developer, yeah. so I don't imagine it's going to be this massive um, split path narrative. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it feels like you've got to have some consequence to your decisions. Yeah. It feels like it's, it's. It feels like a game that needs to be almost half an RPG for that to feel like it matters. Yeah. And it sounds like it's a shooter, like a full ball shooter. Certainly, from what the and then he was very much admitting, like you know, this is a combat combat focused level. Equally, the level that Emma played was combat focused, yeah. 
And then the other side of it is is that he's a policeman, mm-hmm. ultimately, and so that you do crime scene investigations. So there's going to be elements of... But is that literally just zooming in objects and clicking on them? I don't know. Much because, more to it because they've not shown it. You know, yeah. if it's as deep as something like... It's not like, going to be an alien or Or, or Arkham, yeah. great. But it feels a bit weird that it's, what, three, four weeks out. It's supposed to come out in September. And they've not I get shown why they want that side to mix up, but like Robocop's not known to be a master detective, no, he's not. is he? He's not. Well, that's what I mean. He, he says, sure. dead or alive, you're coming with me. It's like, not one second while I just take a note of what's going on here. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's interesting. It, it makes you rethink the way you play first-person shooters. Mm-hmm. Okay. But is that going to last the 15 to 20 hour play is that through? how long it's going to I be? think that's what they said to Emma when she spoke to them I don't think I'd want to play a shooter that slow not unless hours. it keep, no. not yeah. unless it keeps mixing mm-hmm. it up but I mean maybe maybe there's a bit like halfway through where they fit his is it, is it just a head that's left a Robocop it's a head and a torso isn't it they can fit him on like a frame that makes him faster I'd be into it well and I think like because I said obviously the Ed 209s mm-hmm. are on your side at yeah. that point so are oh, they always friendly it's like maybe not so you you know you'll get some interesting boss encounters yeah like the, the biggest thing that we saw at the end was like this biker gang that starts circling you right and like you can pick up like a massive sort of US style trash can and throw it at them, okay. at them to mm-hmm. knock them off the bikes and then you can pick up the bikes to throw at the other things. And you've got special abilities for like um, bullet time to sort of take them out. It's got interesting got stuff. Yeah. I just want to see more than the, the yeah. stuff that yeah. we've yeah, seen so far. Teasing that stuff there without yes. showing it, which is a little worrying. But yeah, you know, I've never been a huge like Robocop fan. Yeah. So like, it's not like I've been dying for this game forever. Mm-hmm. But I, I might check it out when it comes out. Would you buy it for a dollar? <laughs> probably um, from one hulking chunky kind of slow shooter to another Space Marine 2 yes Matt you've been waiting for this one while me and you both me and you have played this we have yeah but you are of course much more of an expert in the Warhammer 40k realm than mm-hmm. I am you've been waiting for this game a while mm-hmm. are, you, are you still looking forward to it yeah oh god yeah um so the the first one was a, a pretty simple kind of like third person shooter with a massive chain sword that you use to cut through orcs and basically it's been what like twelve years I think since that came out it was twenty eleven well, you've no better than me yeah so it's been a long time and that was made by Relic Entertainment which was a bit weird because they made the Dawn of War games which were strategy games and then weirdly off the side they made this third person mm. almost slightly gears of war game. Um, and this is made by Saber, who are the guys that made the uh, World War Z games. Oh, okay. So those are the games that have got like that technology that can have a thousand zombies on yeah. screen at any one time. Well, the tagline for Warhammer Forty Thousand is in the darkness, in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war. Right. And the technology that allows a thousand enemies to be on screen at any one time is pretty good for a setting where literally war exists in all forms, all over. And so, yeah, this is a game where they've chosen the Tyranids as the enemy for this, which are, the way I've described them in my preview is basically if H.R. Giga designed the enemies from Starship Troopers. Right. So basically a load of very spiny bugs. And yeah, they come in hordes of, I guess, about a thousand because that's what the, the tech can do. And basically you play an eight foot tall space marine in bright blue hulking armor and you can charge right into that and absolutely decimate everything inside it with a giant chainsaw. Right. So so it's kind of like... The thing I liked about it is it's definitely a sequel to that game in that it's quite an uncomplicated, almost 
campaign of the early 2000s. It's got that straightforward nature, at least in the mission that me and Cardi got to play. Mm. We only we only played one. Um, it was a good like forty minute long mission. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. It was, and you know, it's it's linear. You are going. You start in a big swamp where loads of these things are attacking an, an army that's already on the front line. You know, they're they're normal humans rather than your superhuman space marines, yeah. and they need space marine backup. Uh, and yeah, you come with your massive guns that fire giant cartridges that explode on impact, and you can thin out sort of like these hordes, and then you can just dive in with your your chainsaw. So it's it's kind of very simple and it's kind of basics, but you know it's got the visuals. It looks like the the images that are in the Warhammer source books. Right. It it's, it lives the fantasy, but the the big difference here, I think, is is you've got the tech, which means there's a lot more enemies on screen than you had before. So it's visually more spectacular. But I think it's balancing the kind of the old school. I just want to wade in and, and kill things. Like none of the guns have got stats. You don't have to like mod them or do anything. You pick up a gun and you pull the trigger, and the, right. the enemy explodes. It's very uncomplicated in that. But the melee's got. They haven't dark souls it by any means. But like you've actually got parries and strike backs mm. and and, and, and that's there's stuff. one in particular where you just if one of those tyranids. Jump so you can just pull them out of the air, grab them by the neck, and slam them onto the floor. That's yeah, and very explosive. good. Yeah, it's very good. It's, it's got that like you know you are the you know the space marines are are bred to be the, some of the most powerful warriors in the universe, and when you've got one like trying to claw its way to you, you can just break its neck and pull it apart. Yeah, it's got that ultraviolet. You know, Wham is a yeah, a thing of the eighties, right? It's got like RoboCop. It's got yes. that horrendous, overly funny, violent side to it. But the the little ones that are coming in swarms, they're very easily torn apart. Like you can just stomp on them. But they, they're all supported by these bigger enemies, which you have to fight in duels because their arms are literally made of swords, like these Tyranid warriors. Yeah. Uh, and so that is much more of a like block, defend, dodge out of the way. But when you do enough damage, you can basically put your gun point blank into their mouths and fire it. The executions are very good. Yeah, yeah. You can then sort of like, they'll let you then run your chainsaw up the middle of them. And then there's, there must have been at least kind of four different animations Mm. I saw for it, where it's properly reveling in the fact that it's nasty and brutal. Right. Uh, and so yeah, it's just kind of uncomplicated. uh, So I wasn't expecting that. I haven't really been following the game. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I kind of expected to have a little bit more of the, I guess, the Warhammer depth, for want of a better word. Yeah. I, no, I think it's I, very, like, the touch point for me was Gears of War, mm-hmm. without really needing to take cover, just because you're a massive hulking set of armor, basically. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the main thing that it has is that kind of like, and this is an evolution of what the original one did, is whilst you have this kind of like, you know, in, they like to say it's impenetrable armor, but Space Marines die all the time. It's more of a fallacy to yeah. make them sound cool. Um, you've got when you do the executions, that what t- that's tops your armor bar up. So what I found was that kind of like when you're in the midst of it, you sort of feel like you're invincible, and then you realize that all of these hundreds of things are actually wearing your armor down. Yeah. And once the armor goes, they start attacking you and getting your health bar down. Yeah. But it's quite difficult to actually regen your health. Like you need a health injector to do that, and they're not found very often. There's like a slight regain system where if you can do like those like point blank gun executions, yeah. that'll give you a little bit of health back. But I found in the back half of the demo, I was constantly fighting against the fact I got so little health um, that what I needed to do was keep doing the major executions to keep the armor built up because yeah. the armor was what was keeping me alive. So what you're doing is, is you're using your guns to eliminate all of the little ones, yeah. charge in and get at the big ones, because the bigger the monster is, the bigger the tyranids, 
the more it boosts your armor back up. Right. So what you want is like these little ones are only going to give you a smidge, which is probably going to get worn down in, in a couple of seconds because yeah. there's so many of them. Those are my like, favorite sort of combat system ones. I think where attack is the best form of defense, like Doom does it, Control does it. You know, you can get health yeah. back in that is by killing enemies. Like, yeah. Yeah. I love that sort of, mm-hmm. that sort of combat. It was one of these things where it's kind of like when you're surrounded by devs you know, that have built this game that are watching you play it, you do feel a bit like, well, I want to look good while I'm playing yes. it. It's part of the, the journalist experience. <laughs> and so because I got like maybe like 5% health left, I was like, I'm going to look an absolute idiot here yeah. if I keep dying. And so I was just constantly searching out those things that will keep the armor topped up. I was like, if the armor is topped up, no one can hurt my health. Right, yeah. But it then turned into like, this is a good rhythm. It's kind of like... How, it sounds like quite rhythm action in terms Yeah, it, it, it's a bit like, you know how in Doom, you're, like, you're always yes, on the edge. Yeah, absolutely, it? yes. So, so, you know, the uh, Space Marines sort of, uh, you know, I don't know if it necessarily invented the idea of like, doing an execution to get health back. But that's what the original game was like. It didn't necessarily have the armor points. It was like, you just do executions and that tops your health bar up. This evolution of it does feel in that Doom Glory Kills thing where it's like, okay, my health's going down. I need to find a big enemy that I can do a smack it in the face and tear its eyeball out. I'll get that. And it's got that to it. So... That combined with the fact that the combat is a bit more in depth, there's parries, there's, there's these execution moves, there's the, the need to dodge. Some of them have got like unblockable attacks that you need to work out around that. It's it's not like a Souls like system by any means. It's much more accessible than that, but it's a modern melee system right. attached to a campaign design that we seem to have almost lost to a certain degree in the I game had a space. Fun time. Obviously, I don't have a connection to Warhammer, but yeah. I just had a fun time playing. I was like, and again, it's hard to for me. It was more like I've seen Starship Troopers, the yeah, yeah. plenty of times, and that's what it reminded me of. Just absolutely like a good version of that. And yeah, I don't mm-hmm. like if someone who doesn't care about Space Marine or I'm like, I'm going to play through this game because we just don't really get these sort of games yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Did you get a sense of like? Because obviously, with thousands of yeah you know, tyrannids coming mm-hmm. towards you. Did you get a sense of how it might sort of change its pace or is it going to be like that all the way through? So, so this is the thing. I, like, I really don't want it to use that as a crutch. Yeah. Like, it's a really cool visual design, right? And, it, and, you know, it's got a gameplay function there as well. But there was really only two main enemies I was fighting in that mission. It was the bigger ones, the, you know, yeah. these, these warriors that support them and then loads of what they call Hormagaunts. Um, there were some, I think they're called Termagaunts, which are the ones that got guns so they can fire at your range. But most of the time it felt I was engaging them melee but there's loads of different tyrannids in the tabletop game that you can use for different purposes like some of them are colossal walking tanks basically you know bred in tanks and so i really want to know how loads of bread in tanks (laughs) (laughs) shush you um but i want to know how that that system scales with lots of different things like towards the end of that that mission we, we had to like climb up a tower and then at the top were these kind of things, you know, you, you, you do some little mini games to get a, a generator running or whatever you're doing there. And there were hundreds of flying ones in the sky, but they felt like they were there at the, that, that time for kind of almost like set design. Yes. Than anything. I want to know what's it like when they start flying. As you, you. as you get closer and suddenly, you know, you catch mm-hmm. their interest yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the, horrible. Yeah. And the Space Marines are, you know, in you know, for, for Warhammer players, like... If you don't play Space Marines, it's a bit annoying because there are so many fucking Space Marine designs that come out every year because they're the most popular faction. But that means there's surely a load of weapons that I didn't see that will be suited to fighting lots of different types of Tyranids. And if they build on that mission after mission, and I sort of hope there's almost a bit of the like Call of Duty Titanfall element there where it's like, in this mission, 
the big thing is you get this gun and this gun is going to be useful against this weird freak of a Tyranid. And if they can keep doing that mission after mission, I think it will be in safe hands. If it's just hordes, possibly it might run out of steam halfway through. I'm happy that you're still happy. Yeah, yeah. And it it looked great considering it's like... Yeah, yeah. it looked great. I mean, we talked about this before, like focus pops in this game and they've kind of found this niche of like B tier, like not quite triple A mm-hmm. games. This one is borderline triple A. Yeah. Like it looks yeah, amazing. Say, it feels great. You can say A. I think A. B or triple B. B A B B B A B B. Stop speaking in binary Rubber. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Should we just talk about a different game? Um, I want to talk about Alan Week 2. Ooh. Very excited for this game. Mm-hmm. Both me and you, Matt, have seen a full mission from this game that was shown at Gamescom 40 minute Alan Wake mission so if you've not speed Alan Wake 2 features two protagonists Alan Wake of course and Sarver Anderson Sarver Anderson is an FBI agent very much looks like the true detective side of the game Alan Wake's until now we've not really known what Alan's side of the game would be and let me tell you it's weird <laughs> um, Remedy they love being weird this is probably as weird and as meta and just frankly odd as they've got in any of their games it's so this mission takes place in the dark place which is where Alan is so basically a nightmare version of New York that he's kind of created from his own writing and it looks absolutely like like, I'm not you know overstating how good this game looks like when you walk out you kind of walk up some stairs and out into this version of New York for the first time I rarely have I seen anything in a game that looks this good did you cry? oh I was bawling absolutely bawling it looks (laughs) it looks like like 70s New York like taxi driver does it has those same like lighting effects that just like the smog and like the just the amount of paper swirling around the street it looks like I could go on about the details of these streets for a long time but instead let's talk about the actual level which is kind of taking that original Alan Wake gameplay of flashlight and gun Mm. and you know burning but essentially burning the shadow off of something before shooting them but then it's also got this new layer of puzzle gameplay, which was never in the first, which is almost like the way I worded it in my preview was like, like small, like tastes of like cracking the slab from Dishonored 2 mm-hmm. or affecting course and time for in as much as you can take using this lamp, take areas of light from the level and place them in specific other places of the level to change the layout. So for right. example, the first time they tell you how to use this, your objective is find the entry to Caldera Street Station. And you're just looking on the street and there's, you see the sign for the station, but there's no entrance. There's just a pile of like rubbish bags on the street. Yeah. So what you do is go down the street a bit, take the light from a lamp, like a big street light, walk yeah. back and put the light in a nearby street lamp. Like Dumbledore does at the beginning of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, a little bit like, honestly, a little, a little bit like that. And then suddenly this scene that was just some some trash um, we're in New York and we say trash bags uh, that are on the floor turns into a subway street entrance and you can now walk down there right but there's there's layers to this it gets deeper as you go further in the subway it's quite it's quite a hard thing to explain in words how like to see it is is one thing and to try and explain it is another but basically you can then use inspirations from seeing visions that make that create plot points in Alan's writer's room. The writer's room is essentially a menu you can walk around in. You've completely lost okay. it. It's, it's so hard to explain. No, I, I, I don't. I don't think it's that hard. Really? Is it? So, so, so basically, you sometimes see things. Well, 
So, so you'll you'll see like visions in the world, yes. which are kind of like. So, for example, in this, it's you're seeing two other characters talk to each other in right. visions. Yeah, and that because Alan Wake is a novelist, right? Like that's his deal. What they're talking about inspires him. It's like, oh, I could make a new plot point for my book, which is apparently around me. Right. And you use that plot point. That's almost like in his head as an inventory item. Right. And then when you get to a location that's almost like a barrier point, he can use that plot point and go, oh, I can write this new plot into the level. Right. And it'll turn like a blocked off wall into a corridor. Right. At first, that's kind of simple because it's just you have one choice. Later on in this level, they show basically you collect these plot point inspirations. So he can have four, let's say, in his inventory. And then you go to his rise room on the plot board and you can kind of plug any of those ideas. So say one is Death Cult. Another is, I don't know what, I can't, I can't remember. Okay. The Death Cult one was the most, yeah. there's a lot of Death Cult. They love Death Cult, apparently. Um, but basically you can then slot any of those four in and it'll alter the scene you're in. Only one of those will be the solution to the way forward. But the oh, other three okay. might grant you extra story info or some sort of like environmental storytelling right. aspect. So only one of them will, what? Or get, a path get you the way forward, yeah, and you have to work out, oh, which one kind of, you have to, a bit of like puzzle detective work, like which one is the most relevant inspiration point to this scene I'm so, in. So the example, one of the, I think the best example of this was mm. that you, because you're in the subway tunnels, but it's all like half demolished basically. Yeah. And you find a crashed subway car that's clearly blocking, you can't get on and the doors are kind of like sealed shut. And yeah, there's, there's I think he's got maybe four different plot points at that point mm. and you can plug any of those in and you might see something new there because he's written it in. But is it Death Cult opens that one up? I think, I think Death Cult puts all these weird symbols onto the train and opens a door next to it, which you need to go into to get the inspiration point that is the real one you need to use. Right. Yeah. So you're not punished for using the No, no, no. You can experiment. Okay. You'll, you'll, you'll always find something, I think, like, whether minimal. It'll change the scene and something will... You'll learn something. But yeah, we chose... Well, we didn't choose. They chose yeah. the, the correct one for this train. And it's quite a horrific scene. You're basically looking at what this death cult did to all these people on this train, which is burn them alive. And you're walking through this train of just piled up charred bodies and hearing lots of screams. It was quite horrific. Wow. Like it was like this game is it is a horror game. If we haven't said that already, like yeah. you know, and for the most part, it's like survival horror, like Resi style horror from the looks of it. But this dark place is is weird and horrible, and like, that was actually quite like mm-hmm. it took me back. I was like, this is genuinely yeah. You're not in a way of like you know you know I wasn't like you know clutching pearls or anything. Mm-hmm. I was like you know this is genuinely. But it's one of those yeah. things that like you can, you can sort of tell when you reach you you know that like the correct plot point is the thing that's going to open the door on the back of the subway and that's going to be the tunnel yeah. mm-hmm. to your next thing. But the fact that like it instantly sort because of, it, it changes almost like instantly. It's yeah, like a yeah. flash and then the scene is there. And then for that to be a train that's painted in like death cult symbols and yeah. everybody's like Pompeii style inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can just hear them shrieking as you walk through. It's, it's quite a bit. Like, and we'll say this is a horror game, but yet still there's all the bizarre oddness that Remedy bring to all their games. If you play any games, you know the sort of, I don't want to just say the Finnish weirdness, but they describe it themselves like the Finnish oddities that they put in their game. Like, I don't even know where we start with the Alex Casey stuff. <laughs> but like... Oh, this is so, so good. This happens kind of star this level. Like you walk down an alleyway and Alan Wake bumps into a, a policeman who is 
So let's get this right. So <laughs> it is Sam Lake's face, who yes. is the creative director of Remedy, yes. who was the original face of Max Payne. Yes. And James McCaffrey was the voice of Max Payne in those games. Yes. In this game, in Alan Wake 2, it is Sam Lake's face and the voice of James McCaffrey, but playing a police detective called Alex Casey, who is the character of the hardball detective books that Alan Wake writes. He's essentially Max Payne in all but name. He's wearing okay. a leather jacket. He has like a floral, like mm-hmm. paisley tie on. Yeah. He has the gun. He does the face. <laughs> right. But he's called Alex Casey. It's just them having lots of little meta fun with yeah. what they can because, of course, there is this remedy connected with universe. Yes, exactly. Which is, at the moment, uh, Alan Wake can control. Those are the only things that are part of this connected universe. Max Payne, they don't know the rights to Max Payne. That's Rockstars. Yes. Max Payne is not involved in the remedy connected universe. Mm-hmm. Nor is Quantum Break. Although, in this level, Sean Ashmore, who played the lead character in Quantum Break, pops up just in a room, so says, hello, Alan, and he's playing a character called Tim Breaker, which is basically Time Breaker. <laughs> they're just having oh my, so much I was going to say, they're basically yeah. pushing it as far as they, they possibly can. They know... I just love how they just go for it. And bless them, they may not sell millions, but I'll love it. <laughs> well, honestly, this game is probably had the most promotion out of any Remedy yeah. game. Mm-hmm. And from the demo that I saw, was it during summer? Game game first? Yeah. yeah. I was like, this looks really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it sounds like that seemed to be more like jump scare. This yeah. feels like it's a lot more It's kind a lot of... more weird. Like, it's still got a lot of Twin Peaks that Alan Wake, the original, had by the looks yeah. of it. But like, I will say like, they use, they even themselves use Resident Evil as a touch point. Like, they're going to survival horror like it's kind of more Silent Hill to me and that's what the I think they should people should be a bit cautious jumping this game thinking I'm going to play Resident Evil because by the looks of it it's not you know the flurry of enemies the action packed sort of thing you might expect from Resident Evil it looks uh, as I wrote in my read this looks like a much more like cerebral approach to the genre it's much more puzzle and tone based than any resume. We we yeah. watched was it about a forty it was a forty minute demo we mm. watched and definitely the combat is mm-hmm. clearly inspired by the Resident Evil remakes. You know, the camera angle, yep. the way you hold the gun. And it looked like it takes quite a few bullets to take down just an end. Yeah, like, lo- like end. the zombies do, particularly in Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Like, yeah. they take quite a lot. And it's even sort of like the, the design of the hood has got like the Resident Evil 4 vibe mm. to it. You know, that right. sort of circle that runs around your ammo counter is your health and stuff like that. So it's clearly using it as a touch point. But... Combat was a very minor bit of what we saw. Right. So I think that this is a game. Whereas the original Alan Wake is basically combat all the time it's when like you're playing. based combat. Yeah. And that is what... I love the original Alan Wake, but that is the one thing that has aged poorly. And wasn't even great at the time was the com- the actual the, core yeah, gameplay of it. It, it was like... Because <laughs> obviously at the time they were action developers, right? They'd only made the Max Payne game. I guess yeah. they made another, they'd made a racing game, and they? Uh, Death, Death Valley. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they were known for, for action games and, and Alan Wake was sort of a little bit Max Payne but supernatural Stephen Kingy. Yeah. Uh, whereas this is like they've thrown all of that out of the window. Like it's I mm. think it's probably if it's good, you could say maybe it's actually found the identity it should have maybe had yeah, all the time. Yeah, oh, I, can't, yeah. I can't wait for this game. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanna play it. As We're only what, two months away? They delayed yeah. it by ten days, I think. Twenty mm. seventh of of, of October yeah. now. Right in time for Halloween. Exactly. 
Perfect. Um, got a few more to talk about. We'll maybe spend a little bit more time on the next one, but then we'll speed up from there because we can't be here all day because we need dinner, don't we? <laughs> we do need dinner. Although I do enjoy the fun zone, I don't enjoy the hunger zone. Um, what's the funger zone, though? Is that what we're in right now? What are you talking As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Talking about? Let's talk about Black Myth Wukong. Matt, this game is every time anything new about Black Myth Wukong mm-hmm. comes out, not only do we get lots of views on YouTube, yeah. but it looks better and better. It looks like... Anytime I've seen it in action, it looks like it should play incredibly. Does it play incredibly? Yes. <laughs> I like, I've, I've still got a few games to see. Like for full transparency, we're recording on the Thursday. I've got games to see tomorrow. I mm-hmm. don't think those games are going to necessarily beat what I've seen uh, today. So I think Black Myth might be my game of the show. Wow, it is okay. it is real good. That yeah. is good to hear because I think obviously we've seen so much. But without actually playing it, you mm-hmm. don't know if it's going to stand up. Well, we've been watching it. How many years has it been? Because it's always been around this time yeah. of year, right? Yeah. That they've shown a new a new part of it. And we've seen kind of like different bosses and stuff like that. 
like a lot of the stuff that we've seen was finally playable. Well, the, mm-hmm. This demo build, they gave us half an hour and the demo was split into like the bosses that you've seen, you can now finally fight. If you yeah. want to go and fight those, you can. But they had kind of like a, a Gamescom exclusive sort of bit, which was uh, you can play a... I don't know, I'd hesitate to say level. They're not sort of games that split in like a level. Either, but yeah, yeah, like a chapter. Um, and this was basically kind of like... I have no story context, so it's obviously... It's based on Journey to the West. Um, but I'm playing Monkey, um, and, you know, he's got his kind of staff, and that's, you know, the, the, the centre part of it. It's a game about hitting things with the staff. But it's like um, hard as nails, Souls, like, right? But it's it is. a fun love players of Monkey. Game. No, yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry, Al. I know that Souls likes <laughs> are not necessarily your jam, um, but uh, this is, uh, and it is, um, it's, it's a proper. So it's, it's not Souls like in the way that um, what the what FromSoft have built, yeah. but it is clearly within that mold. It feels very different. But it demands; it has the same demands of you. You've got to be quick. Yeah, so you've got we to don't be... really know really how like the world or the levels are designed, but we do. Like you know, it's got the punishing like spectacle bosses, yeah, yeah. which you and, expect from those. And, you know, you go you go to these little areas where you burn incense, and that's where you kind of like choose your skills. But that respawns the enemies around yeah. you when you rest. You've got a gourd which refills your health, but you can only use it so many times. Like, all of the souls like language is there. Yeah. But what I would say is kind of like. This is a game where you've got this staff, and I don't, I can't tell, but it seems like it might be the only weapon in the game is this staff. But you don't have a shield, and there's no block ability. So it's actually immediately kind of like in league with Bloodborne in terms of like, that's the game that doesn't have a block out of the FromSoft. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel anything like Bloodborne. It actually kind of feels closer to Sekiro to play. Yeah. It is lightning quick. And, you know, it's it's been a little while since I played Sekiro you know it was, a, it was the start of last year so it took me a little while to, to get used to that pace again but once I got into it, it it's got a rhythm like right. I think one of the worries that kind of people have about kind of like these emerging Chinese um, developers is that maybe kind of like their first games are not quite gonna they get the visuals to, down don't they? yeah but but sometimes they can feel a bit stiff and maybe feel a little bit like they're they're inspired by different things to us, aren't they? Yes. Sort of like so, so Western development and and Japanese development are two kind of like steps. Almost it feels above, but what this can necessarily be. But these game science guys definitely know what they're doing here. It is what? it is slick and fast, and all of those kind of YouTube views I think will probably pay off basically. Nice. So um, what I will say is, is the environment they gave me to play didn't necessarily inspire much sort of like inspiration when it came to environment design it's kind of fairly standard in that like you started in an area which have got an area to rest and reset my skills and then did the sort of classic design where like you go forward on a path and then that path branches out but those paths sort of either one goes to a dead end where there's a, like a chest mm. that you can open or or maybe they come back together later and then they branch out again and oxbow lakes yes if you insist okay um and I wouldn't say there was necessarily anything particularly inspiring about those sort of areas. There was these like statues that had collapsed that I could draw energy out Were of. Were you getting like, there was any like world like environmental storytelling world building? That's no. what the Souls game yeah. Is, so. so so that's the thing is kind of like in Souls, like you know, particularly when you think of Bloodborne, you're walking through the streets of Yarnum, and almost every building is telling its own sort of little yeah. story. Whereas this, I was just kind of. You know, you could have said it was a bit like the Grand Canyon in many ways. It was like very dusty, very orange mesa structures. Um, but it had got like these collapsed um, statues which had got like glowing eyes and you could draw an energy out. 
I don't know what that energy is for. Like this was an instance where there's no developer sat with you. So I couldn't tap someone on the shoulder and go, can you explain to me what the hell's going, going on here? On? Yeah. But obviously that's something part of the wider gameplay yeah. loop. But yeah, uh, that's dotted with enemies, which were which were fun to take down. Some of them have got shields, so you had to break through the shield before. Yeah. But very similar to what I think people will know. It's just essentially you have to dodge rather than block because there's no block. But then you came to a path where it's split. And if you went to the left, you could fight an optional boss. You went into a very classic, like you're in a massive open environment. And it's like, okay, there's going to be a boss here. It's that, yeah. it's that big to allow the boss to land. Or you could go up a set of stairs and you went through a big set of mystery doors that took you into a sandstorm where there was the main boss of the area. Right. The the side boss was uh, essentially a giant rock monster that had got kind of like its front uh, sort of like rhino style arms were kind of like it would stomp them into the ground and make big shock waves and stuff like that. Um, the main boss was what I would describe as like a pig dragon hybrid monster okay. that was about sort of 12 feet tall. And it has got two giant, for lack of a better word, electric maracas. <laughs> I, like I, I do like electric what Electric maracas. This, this game has got like, it's definitely kind of like, I guess in-universe takes itself seriously. Like, like it's a dangerous world, but yes. it's got like... Uh, Journey to the West is a storybook, yes, right? Like yeah. within the within the Chinese culture, and it's got that kind of like the bosses that you could have also fought as well. Like at the start, I had to fight like a giant centipede, and then uh, Destin from our US team was playing next to me, and he was fighting like a big tiger in a lake of blood. Right, but they're quite like playfully creative, kind yeah. of like you know they're they're big animals in this way. But yeah, this guy's got two. I say all I can describe it as is big electric maracas. <laughs> And he, I was watching Destin fight this uh, this tiger, and he was super quick, like really, really lightning fast. This guy was slower, but it was almost like the trick to it was rhythm, because as he starts slamming these maracas down, yeah. these big shock waves start coming out from the ground. But it would be like one, one, two, one, two, three, one, right. one, two, and you have to leap over them. Like things like um, Hi-Fi Rush does mm -hmm. this, right, with some of its, its things. So it's got a bit of that rhythm to it. Which makes sense in a game that's so fast that you do have to build your rhythm as you, yeah. you play. But the kind of like the actual core of the fighting is is that you've got this staff, and instead of swapping weapons, you kind of switch where you hold the staff. There's like oh, okay. uh, you can hold it from the bottom, and it's then kind of like like a lunge weapon, like you're striking out from distance with it. But then you can push like up on the D-pad and you hold it more in the center and then it's kind of a whack with both ends yeah. kind of quick. And then you can hold it another way and you use it as a big slamming weapon. Right. And so it was kind of learning how... Almost like, like stances or something. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, oh, I guess almost to the degree a little bit like what Jedi Survivor does, right? Yeah. And that, like, you, yeah. you can have your, your double-ended lightsaber, which would be the hold in the middle. Yeah. Or more of the kind of like the heavy saber, which was like the, the whack. So there's, there's definitely, if you've played other games like this, there's a familiarity. Yeah. Um, but it was getting used to that and kind of like learning how that if you did a couple of attacks that were light, it would build up this meter, which would then you'd be able to do a heavier attack. But that would be like you can slam the pole into the ground and then swing yourself round on the pole. And every time you do a swing, you're doing damage each time you hit the enemy. It, it sounds like you are playing as a monkey, a monkey yeah, yeah, not just, you know... A human that looks like a monkey, you know, yeah. you can do those weird things. Yeah. I don't, I'm very excited. Like, it's always nice when 
we see these games for so long and then you actually play them and like, oh, it is what I wanted it yeah, to be. It's yeah, it's super slick. And then you've got magic abilities as well. So on the trigger, you hold that. A bit like, you know, how in Assassin's Creed, you hold the trigger and then press the face buttons to yep. do cool things. And just to give some very brief examples, like one of them, you click your fingers and an army of monkeys turn up. Right. Like it's like four clones of you basically. So that's kind of like helps you out in a, in a tough moment. You can, there's one where it was just immobilize the enemy, but if you hit them, it brought them out of it. But like, if you suddenly need to get back and, and take a health potion or something like that, that was useful. There was one that turns you into, I guess like a fire monkey God where you suddenly you get a second health bar and yeah. as long as that health bar is up you can stay as this this guy but your staff turns into a double bladed glaive that's on fire right but you're you're slower and like more deliberate with the move so it's a different move set uh, there was one where you could put a ring of fire and things would be scared if they wouldn't come to you in the fire yeah um, so yeah like I'm excited to see where like I hope there's loads of weird abilities as well like Hmm. Like, yeah, I thought it was super slick. Nice. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think Alan Wake 2 is still mine. But I didn't play Black Myth, so I can't mm-hmm. really say. Yeah, see, I think if I played Alan Wake 2, it might, I might have come away saying that Alan Wake 2 yeah, was my thing. Well, no but... one's got to bloody play. Yeah, I've only played Robocop. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's well, not my game of the show. You have seen one other game, though. Should we briefly talk about Nightingale, Alex? Well, yeah, I didn't get to play it. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And uh, they didn't show a whole lot off. Mm-hmm. So they, they demonstrated some of the survival mechanics. It's very much like any other survival game you, you would imagine. Mm-hmm. You've got to go and find sticks to start a fire. Right. And then you've got to get stuff to cook. And you know, and then build a shelter. And, and then... Does it look like you've got to eat every 10 minutes? Like... So I did ask the question about what's the balance between having fun with your friends. So would I. Um <laughs> Or is it hardcore survival? Yeah. And he said it's definitely more about like enjoying the experience oh, with good. your friends. Good. Mm-hmm. And so you know, survival is going to be threaded all the way through. Mm-hmm. You will need to eat. Yeah. You will need to rest. Um, and then also you'll need to like depending on the environment. If it's a snowy place, mm-hmm. you'll need to dress up. Okay. And so you'll need to kind of you know hunt animals to get their hide to build. Oh, it's just clothes. like Zelda. Then you love that. Uh, it didn't feel like that <laughs> at all. No. Yeah. Well, I, apart from you, you like, chop down trees. Survival games never do a lot for me. Really. They're one of my least favourite genres. I won't lie to you. But the one thing that has got me intrigued in this game is the like aesthetic. The yes. Victorian. It looks very nice. It has a style. To yes. It. It's well, they describe it as like Victorian gas lamp fantasy. I think is the how they <laughs> they call it. It needs less words there, doesn't it? And and it is. So you start off by building your estate, yeah. which is your mm-hmm. basically home base. And, and you start off by just, you know, getting a bunch of wood and building this kind of log cabin. But they demonstrate some of the sort of more extravagant things. And it's like, you know, Chinese pagodas and like right. huge buildings. Um, and obviously, the more you invest time into that, the better the weapons you can create because you need to create crafting benches and then bigger mm-hmm. stuff and evolve that way. But like I say, they skipped across a lot of that stuff. And then we went to a kind of a battle in one of the realms. And, and so as you go through, you earn these cards um, that basically serve up realms and you mix them up and say, okay, I want this snowy world with mm. this kind of level. And then it um, randomly gener- procedurally generates a world. Okay, that's cool. Pulling in, you know, the criteria mm-hmm. that you've kind of suggested. Anyway, so he the, the battle that we saw was like three people versus this sun god. Right. And... 
most of the animals, creatures, mm-hmm. not sorry, sun giant, not sun god, sorry. They're, they're, they're there to coexist with you. Mm-hmm. And so he offered him a, a gift, right. which was a spyglass. Oh, the giant wasn't very happy. Russia, he wasn't very happy with the spyglass. It's <laughs> <laughs> all kicked off. <laughs> and then it just turned into a massive fight, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was like, uh, yeah, what's going on here? It's one of these that, I like Carly, I love the look of it. I think it's got, it's, yeah. it's an aesthetic that really speaks to me. It reminds I, me of, um, like, before they made any about adaptations, what in my head the His Dark Materials books look like. Yeah, I, you know, know, I get that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, I can't wish that it was just an RPG, because, yeah. like, not every studio's got the money to do an RPG, but... I kind of, you know how like people talk about the fact that like Fallout seventy six finally sort of turned into the game that it should have been, and I know that's got much more quests with characters that you can speak to. It's just you have to do it with other people, and there's kind of like the survival yeah. stuff. I kind of wish it was more like that, but also I, I can't ask for Bethesda grade like money from no. a smaller developer. And so it is there is a story arc mm-hmm. in there, the, so you know a natural beginning and end. Um, but they did say that a lot of it is about player freedom mm-hmm. and they're equally so I saw it you know playing play with three people it doesn't scale depending on whether you're playing with right. two or with more or however and so yeah. like you can like you like rather than your character developing your gear develops mm-hmm. and so you've got a gear stat okay. and so if you're at level 200 and I'm at level 100 you can share gear to sort of like even okay. it out and so you've got a be- better chance of survival yeah I, I think it's got some interesting concepts. It just, I, I don't really understand how it all gels together mm-hmm. as an interesting experience right yeah. now. I still like the look of it, but yeah, I don't have people that want to consistently play it and I won't want to play it by myself. But, but there was one bit that is exactly like Zelda, like when the, okay. the sun giant kind of does its big attack, it's got this medallion on the mm-hmm. front, which is its weak spot, as same as the head, and it blasts out these like burning mm-hmm. rays, which sets the ground on fire. And you've got this sort of like Victorian umbrella, which you ride up to sort of go that's up high. And I'm like, well, yeah. that's, that's basically that's Zelda, but with an umbrella rather than yeah. a, a I'll, I'll continue to look at this game. Whether I actually ever play it is, is another question. Mm-hmm. But I'm intrigued by it. Yeah. Should we briefly, let's go through two last ones before we go for dinner, because we're, we're hungry. Um, Banishers is mm. a game I've played and you've seen me play. I did watch it. Um, this is another focus published game. So... If Space Marine is kind of, I don't know, B-tier Gears, is that mm-hmm. fair? You know, if a Playtale is sort of like B-tier Last of Us, I guess Banishes is kind of a little bit B-tier God of War-ish. Mixed with some mixed very with little, vague The Witcher Mixed with a little bit of Witcher, but okay. also, more importantly, mixed with, and this is going to sound weird, Life is Strange, because it's developed by Don't Nod, who are the developers yep. of Life is, Life is Strange. So what it does is it, kind of blends the sort of the lore and world of like a witcher so like you play as a banisher who is like a goat basically an exorcist a ghost banisher who goes around towns in 17th century America and just yeah rids evils of like curses on towns so that's where the witch comes in but the combat is very much kind of a god of war right. even like the, you look at the camera and you're like it's that tight third yeah, person yeah, yeah, yeah. melee of light heavy attacks and, and the, the the environment level seemed to have a little yeah, bit of like that not as good as, yeah, not as, good as what god of war no. does but and some environmental puzzles to boot as well so you do this level we played one mission and it's going through this fairly linear level 
doing melee attacks, and then by the end, there's a boss fight, which is kind of... It's like a God of War boss. It's kind of, It's got three stages. It's a big, bony, wooden ghost beast thing, yeah. which you kind of have to, you have to do your dodges. You can use your critical hits. You bring it down eventually. wasn't... You know, it wasn't like a Souls boss. It wasn't that difficult. But maybe they get... This was like the first boss in the game, as well as told. So it might get more severe. It's after that boss fight where it kind of sets itself apart is where, basically, on this mission, you'll have learned what has happened to this town, the people in it, and you're kind of building a picture of what the curse is here and maybe who's at fault for it. And at the end, you're given a choice. Do you want to... Be merciful and, you know, forgive the people that are responsible for this. Or do you want to, you know, take the more bloodthirsty route and kill them? Yeah. So it affects the story in that way. But it also affects the story in another crucial way, which is, I've not really explained that yet. You play as this character called Red, who's a, who's has a lovely Scottish voice. You don't hear many Scotsmen leading games, do you? Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is his lover, I don't know if it's his wife, his romantic partner, and Tia is dead. She's a ghost. Right. Who follows you around in spectral form and you can switch to her at any time in combat and she has some cool, like, kind of magic abilities. So the whole thrust of this game is you're kind of think looking at to go out and avenge her death, but also bring her back to life. And what, the way Why is he not banishing her? Well, because he loves her. Oh. She's not Still. she's a friendly ghost, like Casper. Also it's worth pointing out that her spectral form like is sentient. Like they can have conversations, yeah, whereas all the other her. ghosts are definitely Ooh. Yeah, they're very much <laughs> they're, they're very much still on good terms. Um but basically, yeah, it's the whole crux of this is like, are you going to make the choices that are kind of good for this world and probably the thing the better person would do. Yeah. But that will basically contribute to her ascension to the afterlife and yep. you'll never see her again. Or do you make the quote-unquote bad choice and be more like ruthless a person? And that will contribute to basically bringing her back to life and okay. resurrecting her. Right. And that's kind of the crux of the story is are you going to choose the good path and get your, and you know say goodbye to your wife? It's or the, choose the bad path and get her back? It's the, the what is it, the one thing of one versus yeah. the thing of many. Yeah. Kind of. And from what I've played, it was fun enough. It was it kind of lacked both the sort of real great combat that something like God of War has and the writing to match it. But what it did make up for in is like a sense of tone. I believe that central relationship quite a bit. Yeah. I don't know how long this game is, how long it can sustain it, and I don't know how much it will evolve gameplay wise. But I had a decent time of it. I think okay. it's out in November. Banishes. It's not really got. It's called the full name is Banishes Ghosts of New Eden. Right. So it's kind of it's got a good tone. Like they mentioned, it's kind of they like and they said ma- magic worse than I is. They referenced um, the village, the film which yeah. I love. I, I, it's kind of not a guilty pleasure. A lot of people don't like film. I love that film and the kind of the feel of it. That kind of sort of like. I don't know, like weird, like almost like bone monsters in an old timey forest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued in this game. Whether I'll find time to actually play when it comes out, there's so many games coming out. Yeah, it's, year. it's the sort of game that I would absolutely play if you got to kind of like you know sometimes there's nothing out around kind of yeah. March or April. Yeah. I would play if it came out there because I the setting and the style looks cool. It's got yeah. that sort of like I mean, grubbiness they, to they it. Told of that. Us like 15 to 20 hours which seems like it could overstay as well yeah I, I think that's it sounds like it needs to be about the length of life is strange but yeah it's not but yeah I'm, I'm intrigued okay. by it yeah for sure um, the last game I'm going to talk about if you can all talk about this game briefly now I'll be impressed <laughs> I'm going to sneeze or oh, I'm going to sneeze oh no I'm not 
what the hell is Where Winds Meet? I don't bloody know. <laughs> so Where Winds Meet was, it was kind of like one of the games that sort of caused a stir at ONL last year. It kind of like came out of nowhere. It, we said that it looked like Ghost of Tsushima, which I think there is definitely some truth to that. But crucially, not Japan, it's China. It's 10th century China made by a Chinese developer. Right. Um, and this year, the, the the developer, Everstone, were here again, but they were like, you can play it now. So I went along to play it, and um, I'm a little bit confused. Right. <laughs> it is a bit like Ghost of Tsushima, yeah. in that it's an open-world kind of action game where you have a sword, obviously kind of like the swords of 10th century China are slightly similar to samurai swords, and it's got a little bit of that... Um, quite slick combat design. It's not a Souls-like, so throw that out in your mind. Like you've got enough health to batter your way through right. several enemies and stuff like that. It's much more like a open-world action game in that design. But it also feels like that I sort of... I didn't expect necessarily into the players. It's got a bit of the Zelda about it in the okay. kind of like... There's not a lot of direction. Um, yeah. And I... I don't know if that's because the UI's not finished yet or not, but I found it very difficult to know. They just dumped me in the middle of like this world and just off you go. And so I just went and potted around a bit. It's a bit like I found an enemy camp, which you know is a bit like a bokoblin camp yeah. to a certain thing, and just battered a few enemies. I then went off and I found kind of like a um, like a, a, a tablet that had got a riddle on it, and then I realised that there were some little kind of sculptures around that matched what the riddle was. So right. I arranged those and it. Gave me some stuff that I assume is useful if you know what's going Coral on. Coral leaf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I went to a town that was almost like Pompeii that was full of just statues, but there was one of them was a man that desperately wanted to be a statue like all of these other people. Yeah. And I used a magic ability to turn him into a stone when he was matching the shape of other characters. So when he matched the shape, I had to turn him into stone. Gotcha. Um, but Jesse was playing next to me and, uh, and you know I'm doing this and I ended up in a little town and there was a bounty board a lot of these kind of traditional kind of RPG elements although what the bounty I picked up was to find a runaway goose <laughs> <laughs> very hot fuzz I mean, wow yeah um, but I looked to my right where Jesse's playing he's fucking flying <laughs> not, not sure you're playing the right game <laughs> well this is yeah. it I was like Where's that coming from? It's not like Zelda, like, you know, on a little paraglider. He is full Chinese martial arts style, like, flying through the air by doing all of these weird, like, moves (laughs) across. And then I look behind me, and Ezra from IGN Japan's there. God knows what he was doing, but it didn't look like anything I was doing. (laughs) He was playing the game. Yeah. Okay. Um, So... I'm quite confused as to what the overall like tone and vibe of the game is, and it feels like it's a open world game in which it's probably got quite a lot of variety in what you can do. But I'm very confused as to where it all comes together. So like I think there's like and a you, you all started at the same point. Yeah, yeah. So wow. what we did, we all played the prologue, which is much more like understandable in that like you start in a prologue um, where. That's very Ghost of Tsushima. You're on the back of a horse and it's got the camera angle of yeah. that opening to Ghost of Tsushima. And you're using a bow and arrow to kill people around you and then enemies come up the side and you've got to deflect their blows. Weirdly, you're carrying a baby at this point. I think the game's got a weird sense of humour that it wants to okay. get across. There's 
there's an attack that you can call a goat in and have the goat attack enemies and there's a bit where you can just shout at a bear with, with like I a megaphone at a bear with a megaphone uh, with a, uh, you pull a megaphone out and you shout into it where is the stage set? Ch- China okay <laughs> um, it's weird it's very very weird um, is it good? I don't know. I really I, don't know. I it's think, very hard to base that on, like, yeah. all of Because I've not been to Gamescom since yeah. 2017. Mm-hmm. You forget what it's like to just be dropped in front of a game for mm-hmm. 30 minutes mm-hmm. and then go form an opinion. And yeah. it's just like, I barely know what the hell is going on. Because the, the prologue was obviously much more of a, you know, I'm not saying it's a Sony standard game, but it was like, it was, it was linear, it was cinematic, it was yeah. getting you in, and then it went into like... Uh, it pushes time forward and then it turns out that that guy that you were playing as is the uncle of your character and then you go into a character creation screen where you create your version of, of this guy's niece or nephew. Yeah. Um, wildest character creation screen I've ever seen. Like you can literally every single part of your body you can change. <laughs> the one that I wrote down because it was like, why the hell can I do this is the bit that runs in between your nostrils yes. so you can change the angle and size of that. How many nipples can I have? Oh, I didn't, I didn't look that far. But um, yeah, like or but maybe you, you can just have giant nipples, like mm-hmm. wagon wheels or yeah. something like that. <laughs> maybe. maybe I don't even want to think of it. <laughs> but the weird thing there is, like, I think I wasn't quite aware of how much it's an RPG. It's not just an open world game. It's an RPG. So you have your stat screen. Yeah. But these stats, well, I'm used to kind of like dexterity, strength, right, yeah. kind of Pretty endurance. Yeah. Um, this was like erudition and music and sight and charm. And I, I get charm, that's a bit like charisma, yes, right? Yes, that makes but, sense. But erudition and imagination? What the, and also, sight, how does that... Does it blur no, the no game idea. if you're low on sight? No idea. One was memory, and it was like, maybe memory is like kind of like, you know, in, in Elden Ring, for example, like you can only remember so many spells at a single time, so that expands... Almost like an inventory. Yeah. Yes. So maybe that's what that is, but... Well, and physique was obviously... That's got to be to do with your strength, your physical yeah. strength. But... What's an erudition build? I have no idea. And so my questions are now is like, well, does the game support these weirder choices? So I started looking, like, I, I must admit, like I didn't know a huge amount of this game going in. And when I came out, I started looking back at what we've written about it. And Matt Kim last year did an interview with the, with the devs where they said, basically there's sort of a job system in the game where you can decide to be... Mm-hmm. What it sounds like, whatever the hell you want. Right. There are examples where you could like specialize in medicine and become a kind of like a, a doctor. A doctor, yeah. yeah. Or you could become an architect, and so so there must be a building yeah. system in it. Right. It sounds like an MMO hidden in an open world RPG. Well, because MMOs have a lot of this, like, because yeah. MMOs are designed to be played for so long. Yeah. They always have like a job system where you can be kind of like a herbologist, right? And you yeah. can have like. While your friends aren't around and you're waiting for them to turn up for a raid, you can go and tend mm-hmm. to your garden. Yeah. But this sounds like, I don't know if it's supposed to be a bit more involved than that, because it feels like it's supposed to be a single player, but I opened a menu and it was just like multiplayer. Right. And so oh. obviously that wasn't here at Gamescom, but there is clearly okay. a multiplayer of some description. Wow. But it's not an MMO. It's an open I kind of appreciate that it's just bonkers. Like, it's kind of the opposite. We were talking about all this like new wave of Chinese games. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like the opposite of Black Myth, which seems very focused, knows what it wants to be. Yeah. It wants to be, for better or worse, a Souls-like game, mm-hmm. which is pretty much what it looks like it is. Whereas yeah. this is like, yeah, I want to be Ghost of Shima, The Witcher, Final Fantasy Fifteen. Yeah, like, I, don't, I, I, I really... Yeah. And, you know, my hope is that this game is actually 
a couple of years away mm-hmm. because honestly the the UI was right. indecipherable to me and I the, because after that prologue bit they just they they fast forward you they wouldn't let us play what like, what comes after the prologue and I did ask I was like can you can you put me on the path of a mission so at least I can see something and they said they'd done that. I just followed. They said to follow this man, and he went into a village and didn't do anything from that point onwards. So <laughs> I was just like, "That's the where I might been take this man." Oh. Well, that's where I found Tick. the bounty. It's <laughs> where I found the bounty board that told me to go and find the goose. So right. I went and found the goose. But um, my hope is is that in a game that is promising like this ultimate freedom and kind of be, do you want to be the thief or do you want to be the doctor or yeah. do you want to be the bodyguard? My hope is that there's actually enough options that it's very easy to think that, like, the swords, you know, the traveling swordsman could be very, very in depth. Because, yes. like, the combat system was pretty good. Like, it's certainly not as slick as Black Myth, but it was good for what it needed to be. Yeah. But is it, is it good to be a doctor? Is learning the, you know, if I'm putting all of my skills into the yes. doctor? I mean, yeah, honorably, yeah, yes. Yeah. Very much needed. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, is that going to be fun for the game? Am I going to be able mm. to build someone that is actually a doctor? Or is it going to be, I've got to build a swordsman? A doctor swordsman. But they, they've yes. got a bit of doctor yes. skills on the side. Doctor swordsman. <laughs> we'll see you now. So. Um... Yeah, I mean, it sounds bonkers. I, I, I'm going to see more of it, frankly, because yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on there. There's a, there's a gif in the uh, in the, the previews up on the site if you want to read whatever, but one of the gifs is just someone like basically using, I guess, like a Tai Chi-style move to grab a bear out of midair and swing it <laughs> over their shoulder. So it's wild, if nothing else. It, it's interesting, I'll mm-hmm. give it that. Um, I hope this podcast has been interesting. Sorry if the audio quality is not up to standard, but, you know, we're... Crowd around a little table in Al's uh, hotel room recording this on a on Sunday. You sure we should have put that disclaimer in at the start. Ah, you all worked it out by now. Um, back to normal service next week, though. Um, probably with more nonsense. Probably more Gamescom games that we haven't been able to fit in here. Well, we've, we've still got another yeah. two, three days of Gamescom mm-hmm. well, to go. And also, probably, will we have played Starfield by now? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, uh, uh, Armour Core will be out and I'm... Oh, well, there we go. Big Max. Matt's going to have a very fun week <laughs> alone in his room. Um, <laughs> this has been lovely. Should we go get some food? We get Let's some go dinner? and get some yeah, food. Hungry boys. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
Attention, fans of fairy tales that are magical, hilarious, and grim. The award-winning Pinna original podcast Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest has new episodes out now. While you've probably heard of the Brothers Grimm, you've never heard these tales told in quite this way. I'm Adam Gidwitz, best-selling and Newbery Honor author of Books for Children, and in Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, I share the real, weird, grim fairy tales with real, weird, hilarious kids. In each episode, you not only get to hear a story, but you also get to enjoy this group guessing what'll happen next, cracking jokes, and sharing their own perspectives on the tales. Also, heckling me. They love to heckle me. The episodes are rated on a scale from grim to grimmer to grimmest, so there's always a great variety of tales to explore with your family. You can listen to Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest now wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow the show so you don't miss new episodes. <laughs>